It's now time for On the Line with Cheryl Wilkerson. The conversation will range from local dialogue to international. This show is meant to enlighten, inform, and to inspire. On the Line with Cheryl Wilkerson begins now. Hello and welcome to On the Line. I'm your host, Cheryl Wilkerson. So excited about today's presentation. Actually, it was taped a few weeks ago because I don't want you to miss an upcoming docu-series. It's going to be on PBS. It's entitled Gospel. And so we had a roundtable discussion about gospel. It's con- in conjunction with the executive producer, host, and writer. That is Dr. Henry Lewis Gates, Jr. And so I had a roundtable discussion with the memorable, all-knowing, all-world minister, Peggy Britt, as well as the assistant choral director of activities here on the campus of Norfolk State University, Mr. Terry Butler, as well as Mr. Phil Thornton, who is the senior vice president of Capitol Records. And there's some other famous names that you will hear talking throughout the broadcast. So sit back and enjoy. And don't forget, gospel is coming up on WHRO Public Television here in Hampton Roads, February 12th and 13th. The experience of African Americans in America has long been chronicled in art forms. I'm talking about through dance, visual art, through oral traditions, and through music. Gospel music is the natural recordings of the hopes and the dreams of Africans who came to this continent enslaved. It is continued from the first person ever having hope ever thinking they would have freedom to today. Professor Henry Louis Gates Jr. serves as executive producer, host, and writer of Gospel. Gospel is a four-hour docuseries. It's going to explore the rich history of black spirituality through sermon and through song. Gospel premieres February 12th and 13th on WHRO Public TV right here in Hampton Roads. So today we have invited our own set of experts Minister and Pastor Peggy Britt, Senior Vice President of Capitol Records at Norfolk and Norfolk State Alumnus will be joining us. Mr. Phil Thornton, he'll be joining us by phone. And Norfolk State Assistant Director of Choral Activities, Professor Terry Butler. Welcome all. We are glad that you have come on board with us. We'll get things started because this hour is going to go quickly. I'll start with you, Pastor Britt. Why? Has music been so important to frame a sermon? Why, why music and sermons? Why do they go together? Uh, those two things are kind of meshed. Uh, even the preaching tradition is very, very musical uh, because uh, at the end of some messages, mm-hmm. you hear what preachers call the hoop. <laughs> and they go into uh, just uh, singing the message. Uh, added to what they've already uh, capitalized on in the sermon. So it's a part of who we are as black people, I believe, to put those two things together Mm -hmm. and uh, make it work. Make it work. You know about that hoop, Professor Butler? I know a little bit about it. I'm, uh, somewhat. So that's actually taught in seminary, right? Uh, I believe, yeah, yeah. to a certain degree. I, it's a fancy word for it. I don't. I don't know if they. I, I don't know if they teach it. Uh, but I do know that uh, that it is. It is such a creative way of getting the messages across. I think, and to to go back into our 
culture mm -hmm. and capitalize on that so that people even have a deeper understanding of the message. Okay. The scriptures command us to sing. That's, that's what the word says, all right? For instance, in Psalm 102, the word says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come to his presence with singing. My question is, why is it that church is always the first place that so many singers, both secular and gospel singers, why is the church the place they've started? For instance, why hasn't it been the family basement? Or why hasn't it been the chorus at school? Why does it seem like it's always been the church? I, I think um, a church, the church is a safe place. Uh, in many instances, not all, but what in many instances, safe. safe place where families are there with their children. And then at times, and especially if it's that, that type of church, <clears throat> pardon me, pastors and ministers are encouraging the youth to sing. And then you'll find that young talent at a five, six, seven year old age range. And then from there, they are able to express themselves without any sometimes preconceived judgment, uh, not like a talent show in a high school or oh, middle okay. school, mm -hmm. but in the church, oh, go ahead, sing, baby, oh, that kind of thing, you know, uh, so, right, that, right, right, right. And mm -hmm. so they can do no wrong, but then all of a sudden you discover, oh, my, this is a talent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pastor Peggy, what do you think? Absolutely. Uh, those, um, when those experiences start in the church, there is a soulish component that goes along with that talent that you just don't get uh, in other in other venues. Uh, so when you when you talk about singers and the singers that we that we know started uh, in the church scenario, mm -hmm. uh, they're some of the most soulful singers okay, that yes. we hear. Mm -hmm. And you know, spirit connects with spirit. Mm -hmm. So when 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 that person has has really honed that that talent and and mixed it with that soul component uh it touches people it does uh and 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 that's exactly what we want to do we want to make an impact uh with people with these messages we do join in the program we do have phil thornton senior vice president of capital records welcome to the program phil hey how you doing oh, afternoon thanks for having me amazing Wonderful. Well, I've been sitting here with Minister Peggy Britt and uh, Assistant Choral Director Terry Butler. And my last question to them was, why do you think so many talents come out of the church? You want to add to that discussion? Um, I, th I think they did a good a good job. I mean, it is a safe place. I mean, but it's been such a, I'd say, a training ground for so much amazing talent over the years. When you think about just some of the our favorite singers, I don't care if you're Aretha Franklin to Mariah Carey, like they all have roots in the church. Um, but just it was just a way for them to express themselves and to to give God the glory. So yeah, I, I just I echo everything that's been said by you know um, um, mm -hmm. Dr. Britt and, and Mr. Butler. So yeah, wonderful. And 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 just just let me add, um, a, as a recording artist myself, um, it really I, I can remember uh, the days when I was uh, playing playing piano for my church. I can remember the days when I was in this little thing called the Sunshine Band. I can remember those days and how the development of, uh, of the talent that, that I was given was developed in those, in those small places. However, uh, I gained some confidence from being able to, as Terry alluded to, 
uh, being able to do that mm -hmm. in a safe place. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely, it is a safe and place. And that's what Missy Elliott said when she shouted you out on national television when she was talking about how you taught her harmonies. That was in church in a safe place. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Pastor Peggy. <laughs> I couldn't get myself together. You you saw it live? No. Oh, so, listen, okay. it was on TV, mm -hmm. and somebody called me and said, Pharrell and Missy are talking about you. And I thought it was a joke, man. I hung up on them. And then my phone kept ringing and ringing and ringing, and then somebody sent me the video. I said, oh, my God. And then you believed it. <laughs> Absolutely. But I, I, I had no idea because even though Missy was in the choir, we uh, um, we didn't operate like together together. I wasn't sitting down saying do this and do that. But evidently in those rehearsals, there was something that right. she caught on to that helped her to develop what she has as well. Absolutely. I asked nationally known uh, gospel artist Jacqueline Carr, what is meant when we say catching the Holy Spirit? Pretty much the Holy Spirit coming upon you, you know, because um, there's always evidence of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost when you are filled, uh, when it touches you, because sometimes you feel it, you know, sometimes you can sense it. Um, and different changes in your life, uh, maybe conviction becomes um, even stronger for you, whatever the case may be. But yeah, <laughs> so now this is going to get a little, but I want all three of you to be honest with me on this one, okay? So, Professor Butler, recently there was a huge outroar about some folks catching the Holy Spirit in an unusual way. This was with Bishop William Murphy and his church. They were swag surfing, if you remember. This is on New Year's Eve, right? Yes, yes. Some say, well, you know what? If this is saving souls, so be it. And they say 150 people were saved that night, right? Okay. If this is saving souls, so be it. Other people say, you know what? This is the, the, the uh, church trying to look like the world instead of the world trying to look like the church, right? Right. And it's interesting because Bishop William Murphy, he's a pastor, and he preaches the word. And he's a recording artist, right? Yes. So your students here at Norfolk State University, how do they feel about the traditional versus the contemporary? How do they, what do you hear from them? I'm, I'm hearing a lot of times that uh, some were accepting of what took place at that, that, that interesting uh -huh. service, uh, and then some were not. Uh, I think one with the change of times, uh, are we still trying to keep the reverence or the sense of uh, countenance of that particular house but then what what lords over that what makes that rule at that point mm -hmm. things are changing every day schools have changed uh prayers in school prayers not in school some but the say question the pledge, is should yeah. the church change right and that's 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 the point but then some churches if you don't change i'm not saying they should or shouldn't but then you're not going to hear babies crying you're not going to have that youth that youth movement at right. times mm -hmm. but then some places you will i think it depends on then the energy of that minister Phil, you want to weigh in on that? Yeah, you know, I got a lot of thoughts there. I mean, <laughs> full disclosure, I am friends with Bishop Murphy, and I worked with him previously when I was at Sony. Um, I personally, I'm fine with it. I think it's a way to attract youth and engage uh, the the current younger audience. Like, and I just, I, the only thing I would say I would probably have done differently is maybe not use the original song vocals and maybe just done the instrumental. Right. But the, I understand the intention, the heart of uh, behind what, 
uh, Bishop Murphy was um, trying to do. But to me, I'm completely fine with it. I feel like that's a big challenge with the church. We we have to find ways to evolve without, I get it, we don't want to dilute, the, you know, the, the value and, and, and the morals and principles, but we have to find a way to speak to a younger audience. And I was, again, fine with it. I wish it was the instrumental being used, but all good. But again, I swag, sir, so I'm not going to say to him, be a hypocrite, and say I'm offended by what happened in the church, though. But for me, it was good. I, I thought it was fine. We also spoke to a weather, another well-known force, not just here in Hampton Roads, but across the nation, Patrick Riddick of Divine Worship. I asked him his feelings about Bishop William Murphy and how he approaches the traditional versus the contemporary songs and activities that are going on in the church. And like I said, I asked him about his approach. I'm more of a breeze. That's not necessarily the style of, of worship I look for in church, but um, to that, I believe that everyone has to do what works for their house. Mm-hmm. And um, there are some people, you know, that may never be uh, churchy in the traditional sense. Um, and the Bible does say he that winner souls must be wise. So I'm just going to attribute that to Pastor Murphy trying to find a different kind of bait and tackle to go fishing for souls. And if it works for him, it works for him. That's exactly right. Pastor Peggy, your thoughts on it? Ooh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is a, a very, very deep question, and having a sound bite for me probably is not the best thing, but um, I, I am um, a stickler for staying on message, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it comes to the gospel. Uh, I don't want anybody to lose sight of, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I don't want anybody to lose sight on that and be sidetracked by anything that we might do to uh, to take away from that. And I'm not saying that's what he did. I haven't even seen it. I don't even know what swag surfing is. Yeah, please show me. Uh, because I want to stay aware. However... Um, as Patrick said, uh, you know, sometimes we find other ways to present the gospel uh, that allows people to uh, to come to Christ because that's what the gospel is for. Mm-hmm. So uh, if 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 that came from heaven, mm-hmm. then he's good. Mm-hmm. If it didn't, then I, I you know, I don't know. Uh, and if they if they really got saved and not just emotionally charged by the atmosphere, but could emotionally charged for the atmosphere lead to maybe later down the road some sincere saveness? Yeah, well, maybe, maybe, maybe. You sound doubtful. Uh, well, I'm not because I'm, I'm not sure okay. because when when those kinds of things come about emotionally, emotionally you can be derailed. But when those kinds of things come by, they come by way of spiritually, mm-hmm. then usually that's not going to get derailed later on down the road. You understand what I'm saying? Point taken. What you want to say, I, Professor I, And I agree with everything that everyone has said. Uh, but then again, as I was saying earlier about evolving, mm-hmm. the, uh, early in the church, uh, allegedly they're saying that Philip Bliss in the late 1800s was one of the first pieces of paper that was something was written on paper around 1874, 1875, from Philip Bliss, the famous hymn writer of It Is Well With My Soul. Then from there in the 19, 1520s, Tommy Dorsey. Mm-hmm. All right, so we go from those two manners of music, but then the way church was done then 
is different in the 40s and 50s mm-hmm. than the way church is done now is different from then. Exactly. Uh, some think that once you put a beat on a song, like a Kurt Franklin particular piece of literature, once you put a beat on it, now it's no longer sacrilegious. If you were, it's it's different from sacred literature. Yeah, point. yeah, you yeah. I, I, you're so, right. You're right. And and uh, when you know, as long as you know those things, again, uh, as long as the gospel stays pure, mm-hmm. in my in my view, mm-hmm. as long as the gospel stays pure, whatever kind of dress you want to put on it. Whatever kind of hat you want to put on it uh, should should accentuate it and not uh, overpower it to the point where people are not understanding what that is. I have a question for the group. Where can you find influences of gospel music in secular forms? Now, I want you to think about that. I want you all the way in on that. But first, here's what Ja'Kalen Carr had to say. I would say one uh, in particular whom I know we all loved her voice and she just was amazing. That was Whitney Houston, clearly and obviously. Uh, we know um, her background and her growing up in church and singing gospel, even recorded gospel songs and things of that nature. So I would definitely have to say Whitney Houston. Phil, are you walking around and you're you know, in the world, do you see influences of gospel music all around you? Uh, honestly, not not the the way I once did. I mean, nowadays it's, it's, it's just a little different uh, as far as what I see is, you know, I see some influences online, but not compared to maybe 10, 15 years ago. So I would see a lot more influences in the, in the mainstream as far as aspiring artists. But as far as established artists, like Ja'Kalen mentioned, Whitney's a great example uh, Kelly Price is a great example. Faith Evans. There's a number of people I could say that, you know, mainstream artists of kind of previous generations. But when I think about today's landscape, you don't you don't feel or see that influence as much. Mm-hmm. Right. I agree. As much. I mm-hmm. agree. Um, when I, I, I last. No, not last year. Year before last. Uh, I did a uh, concert. Well, it was kind of a more like a production called Grassroots Gospel. Uh, and I did some research because I wanted to use the quartets in this area to sing music that I had written. And uh, it was a great success. Uh, Kerry Smith uh, was a part of that, uh, executive producer for that. He's local, but he's fantastic. And uh, um, what happened was I did a whole lot of research from uh, uh, behind quartet music. Yes, yes. (laughs) The stuff I found out was astounding. Such as? Um, listen, um, when Ray Charles did, um, um, I got a woman way over time, she's good to me. Uh, and, oh, man, see, I should have had that stuff at my fingertips. But there was a, another gospel artist who took that and just ran with it. And it, it, it it's, it's amazing how, uh, as uh, the gentleman has said, uh, that, that that influence is not as much now as it was back in those days, but you could make, you could draw a straight line from Ray Charles to the church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, from Marvin Gaye to the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, even as late as Anthony Hamilton. Y'all ain't saying okay. nothing to me. Okay. Ooh, okay. My God okay. today. <laughs> yes, sir. To the church. And so. Uh, <laughs> to the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, they've gone on to, to do other things. However, 
that influence and that influence doesn't leave the 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 metaphysical part of what music does to the brain okay is an amazing thing to learn about and how that's how it is we can listen to songs from 40 years ago those of us that are over 40 uh, and still know every twist every turn when the instrumental part is going to come in when the interlude is going to come in when the drummer is going to do the feel because of that that, that it makes in our brains so that that that's doesn't true. go away from these people that's who true. have been raised in the church that is true i remember uh, god bless her uh, maggie ingram out of richmond virginia Ooh, yes and i was doing a morning show and her daughters brought her by to do uh, to talk with me and she was ill at the time uh, and she wasn't you know you could tell she was you know they had to guide her and everything mm-hmm. the moment that music came on listen miss maggie turned into miss maggie ingram do you crushed hear me? it yes, yes ma'am yes ma'am yeah, it's amazing mm-hmm. it is really amazing yeah yeah all right so along the same lines is there a difference between the way churches celebrate music for instance do churches in the north use the same instruments during worship that churches in the south would? Do churches in the east have the same style of performances as, as churches in in the west? Well, I, 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 traveling with the North State University Concert Choir and many different edifices that we visit, and and uh, from Episcopal churches, Presbyterian to a Church of God in Christ, and to then the Baptist traditional church. Um, some churches we go to, you'll see an, a Hammond organ. Yes. Some churches you go to, you see keyboards. Some churches uh-huh. you go to uh, more along the Catholic or the Episcopal or Presbyterian side, you'll see a pipe organ. Mm-hmm. So it's it's an adaptation. Again, I guess as uh, uh, Dr. Thornton so eloquently said, is about the what works best for that house. Uh, as Patrick said as well, what works best for that location or that particular church. For that denomination okay. or for that Both. house? Both. Okay. Both. Both. Okay. Both. Because, because there is a culture in in the Catholic and Episcopal and Presbyterian church, uh, even a music culture, that a B3 probably wouldn't accommodate. That's right. And there is a culture in, let's say, for instance, a progressive Baptist church or a church of God in Christ that the pipe organ is just not going to accommodate. Okay. Okay. And so, yeah, there there are different, um, uh, there's a difference in the worship culture. Many times, uh, it's getting less and less, but many times, um, uh, according to denomination, as you mentioned, uh, however, those lines are, are really disappearing. And even as the independent churches are on the rise, uh, we're grabbing things from everybody's culture to make sure that the, the culture that we establish for our own church is the one that we want. Okay. And, and let me say this uh, while we're on that subject. You know, uh, some people are stuck with hymns. Some people are stuck with uh um, praise and worship teams. Uh, some people have eliminated their choirs. Um, I think it's a mistake to eliminate anything. I think that if we can, if we have the personnel, mm-hmm. we should uh, try to present to the congregation different types of music, the, the, the CCM, the uh, praise and worship, the, the gospel, the contemporary, the traditional, the anthem, the spiritual, all of that if we can be a part of the worship experience because it make it, it gives us the opportunity to touch everybody in the congregation. 
Phil, I'm thinking about you as uh, senior vice president there at Capitol Records. When the records come to you, are you embracing all types of gospel? Are you listening to the quartets? Are you listening to the contemporary? Are you listening to to the traditional? Well, before I answer that question, Cheryl, I got to just echo uh, Pastor Britt's position on the choirs. Mm-hmm. I'm a member of Mount Zion Baptist Church here in Nashville, Tennessee, Bishop Joseph Walker, my pastor. I miss the choirs. I love my yes. praise team. Don't get me wrong. Yes. Love my praise team. That's a nice, but nothing is nothing like a choir. At nothing. Church. I feel like a lot, many, many churches have gotten away from that for, I'm sure, different reasons, but personally, I just miss seeing the choir, the, the youth choir, the women's choir, the men's choir. Now, it's, it's like yes. It was such a part of the experience mm-hmm. of church. But to answer your question, Cheryl, as, as far as I listen to it all, now the challenge is working for a label that is also publicly traded. Um, I work for Capital, which is under Universal right. Music Group. There's a balance of I'm, I'm excited about the art, the ministry aspect. However, there's a fiscal aspect that my corporate uh, partners are you know, more passionate about. So it's like finding that balance of ministry and, and, and fiscal responsibility. So, I, yes, do I listen to it all? Yes. Have over the years of working at Sony prior to being here at Capitol and before that E1, I've worked with artists, whether they were quartet, choir masters, more contemporary. I've signed pretty much. I've worked with everybody from Shirley Caesar to Kirk Franklin to Corinne Hawthorne to Travis Green. I've worked with all of them and signed quite a few of them. But the reality is, it's changing, and so now it's becoming a numbers game, and people want to see mm-hmm. what's streaming, what's what's bubbling on TikTok, and right. unfortunately, sometimes the more traditional side of uh, of gospel may not resonate in the same way digitally. But it, to me, it doesn't mean that it's less viable. But for some, that is the case. But to answer your question, I listen to it all, and I've signed all types of of, of gospel. Patrick Riddick of Divine Worship had this to say about the possible differences. I don't want to say that they celebrate the music differently. I think that everybody just has, they may have their own signature or their own style and sound. Each area or each region has a style. If you go down to the South, like towards the Carolinas, and you start getting into South Carolina, they call it low country church. Man, they have steel guitars, and they use trombones. And it's the same way, but they just have, their own way of doing it, you know, uh, where they might add an element there that we typically won't do here in Virginia. In Virginia, we love, like, we're like Chicago and Detroit. We love our gospel music to be um, organ-heavy, a lot of Hammond organ (laughs) with a great bass player and drums. (laughs) That's right. And minister and recording artist Earl Bynum, he had interesting comparisons about how churches have changed as far as the gospel is concerned. I think it's growth. I think it's shift. And I think all of it together can fit in what I would call the gumbo pot. And that's what you all are saying, right? Mm-hmm. Go ahead, I, I, But I am. But one of the things about I agree with the, the fact that choirs have somewhat uh, uh, died away or, if you will, are not there anymore. But then two quick things on that. Some students nowadays, until it's introduced to them, when they hear a choir, they think old. Because? Just old. You don't see choirs anymore. The majority, not all. Mm-hmm. I, I can speak from what I'm seeing are with praise teams or one or two soloists, and then that's it. 
But well, why can't we have the praise team start the service and then we have the choir? Why can't we well, have that, this gumbo part? That's part. going to the real quick. That's going to the next part where I think then it lies into the expertise, in my humble opinion, when in some of these churches where you don't have some of those persons in place that can then gotcha. get together a choir of 10, 15, 30, 40 persons, then do you have, the, as you said, the resources, the personnel that can actually sing a bass, tenor, alto, and a soprano part in division or will you have two parts. Now you're talking about it's limited on what music you can perform if the expertise is not there and the voices and talent level is not there. That makes a lot of sense to me. I'm I agree. That. I agree. Uh, everything rises and falls on leadership. Mm-hmm. Can I get an amen? But, 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 uh-huh. but then that's another question. And whatever kind of leadership it is, I, and, I, and I'm talking about musical leadership, I'm talking about pastoral leadership, I'm talking about denominational leadership, everything rises and falls on leadership. And so whosever hands you put those in, those, those areas in, if, uh, if, if that leadership is not strong enough to, uh, to either teach and do that thing or at least have a vision for how that's supposed to go, then h- here we are uh, with uh, no choirs, so to speak. I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. right. I'm making a pejorative statement, but uh, here we are. When the, when the choirs used to be part of the attraction of a ministry. Correct. Correct. I remember my home church in Richmond, Virginia, Quaggison Baptist Church. Uh That choir stand was full, but Mr. David Forbes would come in and you learned every part to those Mm -hmm. songs. And you, those sections went through it until they got it correct. Mm hmm. It, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, and, and Cheryl, we go got, I, and this is a, a, one of the few times you hear me give, a, I guess, a shout out in this regard. But Kanye West, I have to give credit what he did with Sunday service and assembling that choir of young people just a few years ago. It shows you that choirs are still very much. That's right. A part of the the, okay. the musical fabric, okay, exactly of, of American music. You know, gospel music is American music and is global. But again, Kanye demonstrated that choirs were still. And again, of all people to demonstrate, but you hear me out. Like you can't get <laughs> yeah. musical prowess and genius. But the thing is, the choirs were at the center of what he was doing, and he had these people singing around the world. Choirs, exactly. That, that he 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 lent he lent lent his his uh, visibility mm-hmm. to a choir's viability. Ooh. There you go. Okay. I love that. Preach, you, you understand? <laughs> uh, definitely, because he's a recognizable person. Yes, ma'am. But what is this recognizable person doing? doing. And, okay, so then if he's doing that and he's who he is, then let's do that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. I, I love it. I can't sing a lick, but I can hear. And when I hear those <laughs> different parts and those melodies, when I hear those chants, when I hear those, all Mr. Forbes taught all of that kind of stuff. And you miss it, and you get goosebumps. Well, I do anyway. And and the older people will tell you that you have to have hymns because the hymns came oh. from the word. Oh. So you would stand on that word oh, that was goodness. sung through that hymn. That's my thing. Man, please don't get rid of those hymns. Yeah. yeah. Please don't. When you All said. Christ the solid rock, I stand uh, on here. Uh-oh, it is uh-oh, well uh-oh, with my yeah. soul. Uh oh, Philip Bliss. Yeah. yeah. Come yes, on. That's it. But so, listen, I, sure, can I say this? Yes, yes. <laughs> this is why I'm tickled over here on this microphone. And I, listen, I, I know this is like 
way left for y'all that's going to hear this, but y'all got to hear me out. I'm looking at, uh, you. I heard you say, I can't sing a lick. And people that can sing always say other people can't sing. Can sing. We can't sing. Everybody can't do everything, okay? But I'm thinking, I can't sing. Every time I hear somebody say that, I think back to this uh, episode of Andy Griffith that I saw when uh, Barney, was, they was trying to put Barney out of the choir. <laughs> they was trying to put Barney out of the choir, baby. That is the funniest thing I've ever seen. And they went to his girlfriend, and his girlfriend was trying to keep her. And she said, he, she said, uh, she said, they asked her, can Barney sing? She said, he can't sing a lick. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I feel about it. I like so, WSB, we've gathered these distinguished guests today, Minister Peggy Britt, Professor Terry Butler, and by phone, music executive Phil Thornton. We're talking about the relationship between gospel songs and sermons. I remind you that coming up on February the 12th and the 13th on WHRO Public TV, it's a very important docuseries. It's entitled Gospel. And Professor Henry Louis Gates Jr., he will serve as the executive producer. He's the host. He's the writer of the docuseries. There's so much more to discuss, so stay with us. Well, we have to put a pause in the show right here, but we're coming back next week with the second half of the discussion. It was riveting. You don't want to miss it. I want to thank you so much for listening today. Cheryl Wilkerson, Behold the Green and Gold.